Welcome to the Editor's Note Comics Podcast. I think that this world, it needs men that are willing to make the hard call. Central Maine's best comics podcast, by default. Ain't no thing like me, except me. Here are your hosts, Zach and Jared. Matt's coming. No. When do we start? Hey, welcome back. Ah, it's almost Labor Day weekend. That means the- <laughs> welcome back to the week where I just ate a piece of errant rice off of my notes. I'm like, ooh, rice. Yeah. <laughs> things that tight around here. Do the Patreon people need to step it up so you have more than one grain of rice? <laughs> be nice. No, it was new rice. It was from tonight. Oh, okay. It wasn't like used rice. No, not not old rice. Okay. Fresh rice. Oh, good. Fresh from last night that was reheated for tonight. Okay, so it's quasi-fresh. Yeah. Fresh enough. Yep. Works for us. And by us, I mean you. Saw a thing this weekend because it was National Cinema Day. I did not go to see it. What was uh, your verdict on it? Oppenheimer? Yes. Saw it. It's fine. Just fine. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's good. It's um, uh, incredibly well executed, very well acted, an insane cast. There's a bunch of people in very small roles huh. who are just like, I think they're just there because like, we want to be in a Christopher Nolan movie. That's fair. Like real, like... You know, like starring people just in like, I'm here for 30 seconds. 30 seconds more than not, though. Yeah. So, you know, well executed, uh, technically very proficient. I don't see me revisiting this one anytime soon or ever, which doesn't make it a bad movie. Sometimes a movie could just be long, a good one-time experience. That's fair. And I had a good probably one-time experience with this one. Probably in a lot of people and things that you've said that about. <laughs> I don't know. It, you know, it, it didn't like rock my world but like i you know i've mentioned on the show a number of times i haven't really been into christopher nolan movies for like the last decade some of them i'm fine with some of them i've been actively against and this one like stands solidly like yeah it's pretty good better than tenant if i could understand one goddamn thing that happened in tenant that would help uh, me make a determination better than dunkirk i like dunkirk well enough it's like at that dunkirk level but it's also kind of like a similar topic it's not the like a biographical topic. Would you say it's not in the Inception Dark Knight tier? No, but it's still, it was good enough. Better than Interstellar. I hate Interstellar, so yes. Okay. I like Interstellar. <laughs> I know, we've talked about this already. I really do not like Interstellar. That's fine. But good enough. But there's still stuff to talk about this week. Oh, I like things to talk Plenty about. Plenty of stuff. We got the news. Oh, wow. We got weird comics facts. We got sports reports. Yes, we do. Yeah. Are you up on all of the Patriot stuff? Because I've just seen a bunch of stuff coming I'm, in. I'm keeping up as best I can. Like fast and wild. Yes, yeah, a couple of big moves. Uh, we're going to be doing my top 25 favorite movies mm-hmm. and your questions. And by your questions, I mean my mom sent me a passive-aggressive email. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> I love Karen. <laughs> so I guess we could go straight from there into the news. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? It's time for the news. What was... No one could see that. That was the <laughs> worst fucking face you've ever made at me. That's that not was, true. That was I've, the, made some, I've made some gnarly faces. That was a big shitty grin, and you threw me the biggest thumbs up you could. Yeah, well, I mean, you <laughs> seemed like you were very excited for the news. The way you had that dramatic pause before you said... The news. Well, I'll let you start then. Okay. This is what you get for starting with that. I, I added this one specifically for you. Okay. Bob Barker is dead. <sighs> sad. So sad. Well, I mean, 99. That's a hell of a run. 99, yeah. A little bit of a complicated legacy at times. I truly, I, we've also talked about this on the show. I have never watched like any daytime television, game shows, any of that stuff. Like any of like. Which the- boggles my mind. Like that is an iconic, it was like an iconic 
rite of passage uh, for the longest time for kids across America that when you were homesick, it was like chicken noodle soup or snow day, like Price is Right. Yeah, no, like less than five oh. for any of what well, anyone would consider like a big game show. I've seen less than five episodes, and I couldn't tell you the difference between any of them. Bob Barker was on the one that Drew carries on, which is the the Price is Right. The price is Right. Okay, cool. How did you not even know it was? He was also um, oh, what was the one that he was on? Oh, Truth or Consequences. He was on that. I way heard of that. back. Yes. Right, yeah, no. You might know him from Happy Gilmore. His one acting credit. That's all I know. That's his only acting credit. Which he was funny, and that's a funny scene. Yeah. So it's a tremendous. You want again, a piece of me? No, I want the, the whole thing. thing. <laughs> now you've had enough, bitch. <laughs> no, Bob Barker, uh, American uh, Americana legend. Uh, don't forget to have your pet spayed or neutered. Ooh, 90- I knew about that thing. Yeah, yeah, 99 years old. Uh, as some people on Twitter, because the internet is ruthless, he got as close to a dollar without going over as you could. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. Even I kind of understand that reference. Yes. The Price is Right rules. That's a thing that, like, it. the Price is Right is woven into the fabric of, uh, and he was on this, like, it was originally called the new Price is Right, because there was a Price is Right before the Price is Right that we have today. So, Bob Barker. You see, that's 99. my thing. I'm. I'm a classic one. I'm, I'm part of the OG Price is Right fan crowd. I'm sure you're not. <laughs> yeah. From like no, the, no the 70s, like I think late 60s, early 70s. So yeah. I mean, I watch a good amount of 60s television. <laughs> but yeah. By most general accounts, Bob Barker, great, was a great, sweet guy. But again, there's like some complicatedness to his legacy in regards to some of the, the models and whatnot on the show. That being said, Bob Barker, what a, a tremendous career and place in Americana. Spay and neuter your pet, pets, kids. Yep. Help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Otherwise, they go to kill shelters. Yes. He never said that part, to the best of my knowledge, but he probably No, should. no, he, he didn't. Like, if you don't do it, they're going to die. I mean, we don't want that. Not that dog. That dog got no balls. Poor thing. That is the cat. Well, at least, you know, one animal in this house does. <laughs> The next David Fincher movie had its first trailer, The Killer. Mm. And um, one of us is a maniac who's like, I don't care about David Fincher. Uh, I don't care about Seven. I don't care about Gone Girl or the other crime thrillers that David Fincher has directed. What's in the box? You fucking maniac. Why didn't you care? I I was like, shit, I'm going to have to get Netflix for two months. (laughs) Because the problem is Netflix, and this is definitely a marketing strategy, they have something coming out in September Mm -hmm. and October and November that I want to see. I can wait on my September one. Yes. But I, I'm not going to wait on my October one because it's spooky and I want to be involved in spooky season. I guess I could just say what they are. I don't know why I'm being coy. Yeah, I don't know why um, you're dis- not driving people to like, oh, maybe I'll watch that too. Uh, the final season of Disenchantment is coming out in September. Um, Matt Groening's show mm-hmm. was on there, which I've really, I've never like gone back. But like every time a new season is out, I just like, I binge the hell of it. I have so much fun. Like I, I really like Disenchantment and it makes sense that it's ending. I'm like, great, September. But then in October, Mike Flanagan's Fall of the House of Usher is coming out. I'm like, well, I want to watch that for spooky season so I can wait on Disenchantment for, That's a, fair. for a month. Yes. I'm like, cool. So I'll just get it for October. But it's like, and now this David Fincher movie is coming out. I'm like, shit. <laughs> just when you thought you were out, they pull you back in. Yeah. So I guess I'm getting Netflix for two consecutive months, which I'm personally annoyed at. Yeah. But, you know, it's their marketing strategy. And to be fair, it's working on me. It is. <laughs> I'm getting it. Well, I mean, you have it anyway. That's true. I do. I can just come to your house. It's also true. You could just come to my house. I don't want to. Is that a? Is that just like because you're a homebody, or is that more of a knock on my house? Uh, more because I don't want to leave the house. Okay, then I, I appreciate that. 
<laughs> Do I have to have a cat attack me? I already have that here. No, he wouldn't attack you. He's a gentle orange beast. Yeah, I mean, it's a David Fincher like crime thriller. He's so good at these. Like this is like his bread and butter. I mean, I will say it does seem intriguing, but it also initially was kind of like I it gave me Do you remember the Ryan Gosling movie Drive? Yeah, I didn't like Drive. It kind of had a little bit of a like feel like Drive feel to the trailer, but maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to be wrong. Well, that's why I didn't like Drive is because Drive was nothing like the trailer. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Which has only happened a couple of times. It's like that happened, like Chappie happened. Like you ain't giving me what you were selling me. How many times have you said that to somebody? <laughs> none. none. Oh, okay. I don't know. The killer. It looks great. It's David Fincher doing another crime drama. Like, yeah, I'm in. Like he's good at this. This is what he does. Liam Neeson was on Conan O'Brien's podcast. I like him. And he has some, uh, I don't know who you mean by him. There are two, two individuals there. I like him. Great. Both. <laughs> And Liam Neeson said uh, that he thinks that uh, Disney is diluting the whole thing in terms of Star Wars with how much they're putting out. Yeah, I could buy that. I mean... I don't disagree, Liam Neeson, as we will get to uh, shortly. Yes. I can tell that I I have a feeling just by the way that you're teeing it up that you don't... You're very conflicted on... I'm not that conflicted. (laughs) You don't like it? No. Okay, there it is. (laughs) We'll get there, though. Yes. (laughs) That was... All right. But... It's funny, like, because, I mean, he popped up at the very end of Obi-Wan. He's obviously, you know, he's popped into the Clone Wars for a couple of episodes, obvious, and even, like, Rise of Skywalker, and, like, obviously, like, back in 99 and Phantom Menace. So it's not like, you know, Liam Neeson hasn't brought himself back into Star Wars a number of times. He's got to be He's gotta be jealous that his character didn't survive a lightsaber through the chest, but one of the characters in this show does. <laughs> yeah, apparently that's not an issue, depending on who you are. Yeah, but it yeah. missed all the vital parts. <laughs> You know, those organs in the middle. Yeah, like the lungs and the heart. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's interesting when people are like, you don't got to be like ultra shitty about it. He's like, hey, look, I just think they're diluting it. Well, I mean, think about what we've got in the last couple of years. I, yeah, I don't disagree with them. Believe me. like Boba Fett, Mandalorian. I almost said Prince Caspian, but that's not. Andor. Andor. Which you didn't watch, which you should, because that's actually good. Oh, well, I have all this free time on my hands. I might actually do it now. Actually good. Yeah. Well, um, I I guess I could just like when we were uh, watching Ahsoka, like the, those first two episodes, my wife just goes in the first like three minutes. She goes, that's better than Book of Boba Fett. I will give it that. <laughs> she she gets real sassy. And then like, like maybe 10 minutes later, she goes, do you remember how good Andor was? I'm like, yes, Andor was great. <laughs> this, yeah, well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. She's a sassy lady. Mm. She doesn't always show it to everyone, but she's got some sass in her. It's amazing that they're diluting it and there hasn't been a Star Wars movie in a while. It's just been the TV. Because the last one was Rise of Skywalker. Mm. A bunch of stuff got pushed back. Shocked. uh, From Warner Brothers as part of the ongoing WGA and SAG after strikes. Yes. Uh, So Dune got pushed back to next year, which is a bummer because I was actually looking forward to that. Yeah, I saw that and people are not happy. Godzilla vs. Kong got pushed back and the Lord of the Rings animated movie War of the Rohirrim got pushed back as well, which means for us, we're only going to the movies once for the rest of the year for the show. Well, damn. We were going to go twice. Now it's down to one. It was going to be Dune and it was going to be the Marvels. The Marvels, but that's just the Marvels. Yeah. So that also, to me, indicates that those movies have some pickups or reshoots or some changes to no, make. No, it's just there's an estimation out there, and it's not an exact science because this only comes around so often that uh, basically movies, and I don't also don't think this is entirely true based on uh, some of the summer successes, but like movies will lose 50% based on actors not being out there promoting it. Oh, interesting. So you have a movie like Dune. 
which is a bummer because I was actually looking forward to that. Um, when you're kind of like in this stuff, like day in and day out, and this goes, I don't know, like there's that like old adage of like, you know, find something you love and you never work a day in your life where I have um, been working in fields that I love for uh, like eight years. And what I find is you just kind of get burned out on those things. So like when um, I was down in Jersey last week, I was talking to someone and he was like, oh, hey, so what are you looking forward to? And I just kind of gave like this thousand yard stare. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, I guess Dune. I'm looking forward to Dune. No, not anymore. (laughs) It's going to be in March. Well, right right in the heart attack season. (laughs) Yeah, all that stuff got pushed back. So we're going to see the Marvels. That's, I mean, I'm curious about more stuff like coming out this year. Um, uh, what what's it called? Uh, I think it's called the Creator. That's an original property starring um, uh, Denzel Washington's kid. I'm blanking on his first name. The same guy that was in Tenet. Oh, the, the um, yeah, I yes, yeah. but I know who you're talking about uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm looking forward to. Um, there's a very weird little like indie alien movie that I'm looking out. Uh, I'm looking forward to. It's like this alien that just like they can't communicate with him because crash lands with like this elderly couple and he just likes to eat apples oh i saw that that looked uh i saw the trailer for that that looked really interesting what was very annoying is that played at the same film festival where i saw that king on screen movie oh ah. like, oh, shit i wish i'd like been aware of that i would have watched that too i was made aware of it because somebody on twitter i think posted like oh the aliens are here it was just a screenshot from it. it was like oh this is convincing but this isn't really an alien I mean, what do they expect? The alien to crash land on Earth and be able to speak perfect English, by the way? Or like any Earth language? Yeah, it just likes apples. But yeah, so Dune, uh, Godzilla, X-Kong, Lord of the Rings, all delayed. Uh, Expendables, Expendables, had a new Red Band trailer. Yeah. Because they wanted to let you know this is going to be very edgy. Typical... Typical red band trailer, just a lot of blood and yeah, like, f bomb. Like and a, you asked for it, you got it. Like more blood and like ooh, Jason Statham said a bad word in it twice. I don't care about this movie at all. No, don't. I I even liked the first one. Like is a strong word. Enjoyed it enough, I guess. Like what's one degree below like, but like in between like wasted your time and like tolerate better than tolerated, less than liked subjected to i guess i don't know no because subjected to is more than like yeah no i feel like subjected to is like almost in the same vein as tolerated but like somebody forced you into it didn't feel like i wasted my time watching the first one cannot say that same feeling about the next two yes and i don't know if i'll be watching this fourth one at all my guess would be no but yeah i don't i got nothing for this it, no. it, it just looks dumb it doesn't look as great and dolph lundgren looks weird like what is going on in this I don't know. I really don't know. Hard to. I, it's gonna be. You know. It's just gonna be a good old, good old punch up, shoot up movie. Yeah, I don't want it. Uh, last bit of news. Sad bit of news. Um, very young. Uh, the original voice actor for Harley Quinn on Batman the Animated Series has passed away at the age of sixty-seven. Arlene Sorkin. Which, when I saw you tweet that, I was confused for a minute and thought it said Aaron Sorkin, and I was like, "Oh shit!" So that's why, I, like, I responded with the tweet I did. I didn't really realize who that was when I re- went back and reread it. Yeah, no, Aaron Sorkin still alive. Yes, Arlene Sorkin, uh, who originated the character, and for as much as it feels like Harley is like just part of like the DC universe and everything, like that's not how it started. Like she was just originally created to be a henchwoman for the Joker, just intended to be a one-off in the episode Joker's Favor. Uh, the character came around in creation. Um, one of the guys, um, like one of the top guys on Batman the Animated Series, Paul Dini, 
who was a writer, producer, he was homesick one day. And he was just, you know, like you were saying, like when you're just homesick, you just turn on whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was watching. The Price is Right. He, well, he was watching a soap instead. One of them. Can't remember which one off the top of my head. It's Guiding Light, General Hospital, Young and the Restless. Yeah, one of them. And Arlene Sorkin was on there, like in a dream sequence, playing a clown with a very thick New York accent. And he went, ooh, I like that idea. So he wrote it down, like came up with a character sketch, brought it into uh, the guy running the show, Bruce Tim. He's like, I think we should do this. And Bruce, very famous grump, kind of was like, okay. He took it like and just reworked it into the Harley that we know. He's like, here you go. And then, um, based on what Paul Dini saw on that soap opera, cast Arlene Sorkin in the show as Harley, and she played that character for years. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sixty-seven—that's still a pretty, yeah, still it's, pretty young. It's a, yeah, it's younger than I want to go. Yeah, and you're almost that old. No, 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 not quite. <laughs> it's twenty-eight but, years away. But yeah, just you know, a little bit of a sad bit of news for someone. And I'm, I'm going to kind of steal this adage from like kevin smith is like it's only so often like you get to add a spoke to the wheel it's very true and she did for a character that is now like wildly popular like you can't separate her away from all the dc stuff like it all started with this woman and how she played the character and obviously like design and everything plays a role in it but like her original performance inspired the character and then she continued the character for years and years and years so yeah it it, you know 67 is sad it is very sad but uh, a true and long-lasting legacy in the world of pop culture yeah definitely like her name ain't going anywhere nope all right that will do it for the news so i move on from there to weird movie facts Mm, movies here are some weird comic facts prepare accordingly I'm going to make some weird shit. It's pretty freaky, but it's safe. We're sneaking in a movie one as we are doing my top 25 movies. I guess this spoils one of them. Oh, okay. This is a short one, but right. I think it's a fun one. And also, maybe we've done it before. I don't know. Yeah, well, you lose track after so many episodes. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how James Cameron pitched a sequel to Alien, Aliens? Yes, he wrote the word Aliens on a whiteboard and turned the S into a dollar sign. So apparently I have done this one before. Yes, you have. I think back when we actually did the movie Aliens. Like when we did the we movie did Alien? Alien? Yeah. Well, let me see if I can think of another one. Okay, here's a weird comics movie fact. All right. There has been a long-standing rumor since the 70s that the reason Steven Spielberg did not show the shark in Jaws is because of how little the shark worked. Now the shark, the shark did not work for a lot of the movie there. It's very like famously would malfunction like with its size and its weight and just um, the mechanics underwater. Very true. But for people saying like, Oh, like he had to, um, and this has been long, long standing that he had to react to it, not working. That's why we see it so little. That is not the case. The shark barely being seen was intended from the script phase. Mm. Despite many rumors uh, that's why we don't see the shark that much. Well, I mean, that also makes a ton of sense that, you know, you don't normally see sharks and people like in order to like, it's that fear of the unknown piece, right? And people are always like, oh my God, I don't want to swim in the ocean. There's sharks. And you don't see the shark, but you like see the fin and the music and yeah, no, that, you know, there, show don't tell. There we go. I gave you a second one. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> twofer. <laughs> because you're like, I knew this one already. Uh, twofer. All right. So from making money with aliens to alienating former members of the team on cut down day sure <laughs> there we go it's time for jared sports reports he's running down the middle by the 50 he's at the 30 bear tested the guy is drunk but there he goes oh and they tackle him at the 40 yard line it's time for another jared sports report 
Yes, it's a big day in the NFL. It's cut-down day. Everyone's trying to whittle their rosters down, the Patriots included. They made a couple of big moves in the process, a couple things to keep on the radar, although, granted, we're recording this podcast and it's an ever-fluid situation. We'll start with, there were multiple inquiries into... Interesting. Ever fluid. Uh, anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Place. I don't know why you said that, and I don't know why you said that. Yeah, that haven't made sense. Yes. Dog wants his belly rub, though. I can tell you that much. Yeah, he does. He does. Anyway, as I was saying, Patriots making a couple of uh, moves and some non-moves. Uh, they traded Nick Folk to the Tennessee Titans after, uh, well, they also got their- Nick Folk? Yes. Nick Folk is, uh told him to Folk off. Hmm. Uh, for a 2025 or 26 draft year draft pick. Uh, he's a you know, veteran kicker. He's been a- around for a while, but uh, it's a need that Tennessee has, and they're able to parlay that into a pick. There have been multiple reports of many teams or several teams inquiring about Kendrick Bourne. You might remember him. He was the guy that they put on a milk carton last year. They are The Patriots said they are not interested. So they could in... identify his Bourne identity? No. Mm. No. Uh, the Patriots said, nope, we're not have, we do not have any interest in moving him. So... Speaks a lot about where they, they see him uh, and being in the grand scheme of things. Trace McSorley, their, one of their quarterback draft picks from this season, uh, this past draft, got cut. Uh, he's been waived along with the other two potential quarterback uh, backup quarterbacks. A clear message being sent is both Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham were placed on waivers. So Mac Jones right now is the only, I mean, as of 629 on August 29th, 2023 Mac Jones is the sole rostered quarterback on the New England Patriots couple interesting things that could come of this here uh one uh it does send a clear and definitive message Belichick has kind of balked all preseason about you know who's your starter will you name you know name your starter just named his starter by waving Bailey Zappi Zappi did not have a very good performance only had five completions for like less than 60 yards against the Titans in the preseason finale so sends a very clear message and some reporting out of camp has been that quarterback room has been very tense with some friction between Zappi and Jones. Colt McCoy is uh, Colt McCoy and um, uh, who else was it that I just saw that was on on waivers and available. There are a couple of uh, veteran quarterbacks that are you know kind of in the back half of their career that would be very serviceable backups, very similar to what they had last year in Brian Hoyer. Uh, to come in and fill that role. And Cunningham and Zappi could very well clear waivers and nobody claims them and they can get them on the practice squad. So they're able to, to free up a couple of spots there with that. So it'll be very interesting to see as things play out. Uh, obviously, the Patriots are not going to go without having a number one, uh, having a backup quarterback to, to Mac Jones. But I think the big thing here is they've said, Mac Jones is our guy. He's our guy going forward, and we want to create a room around, a quarterback room around him. Of mediocrity. No, I wouldn't say mediocrity, but one where you bring in a more veteran guy that he can kind of learn under and, and be mentored through. So I'll be very interested to see um, uh, where all that plays out and, and how it plays out uh, over the next couple of weeks as they get ready to take on the Eagles. So Patriots making some moves, more roster cuts coming Uh well, I can't wait to sing a song at you if they lose. Are you going to sing Fly Eagles Fly? I will sing that whole goddamn song. That is upsetting that you would do that. On the road to victory. Yes. Mm. Well. <laughs> That's all you need for right now. Small sampling. I need two hands to count the number <laughs> of championships. How about you, Eagles fan? <laughs> I'm not an Eagles fan. Yes. Can't be a Philadelphia sports fan. I think, also, speaking of Eagles, Nick Foles is a free agent quarterback. They could bring in like a Nick Foles as well. 
So some some options out there to bring in. I just want them to lose so I can sing at you. Yes. That's it. No other reason. I'll I don't want you to sing at me. I don't <laughs> like when you sing. So the <laughs> they open up on September tenth. Of course, more things will happen between now and then. Uh what else was oh, I didn't do it in the preamble. I was saving it for this. Did some more sports documentary watching. Okay. There was one about the Florida Gators and Tim Tebow, okay. Kings of the Swamp or Swamp Kings. Yeah, Swamp Kings. Eh, it was okay. They really gloss over some stuff, like mostly like Aaron Hernandez. He's only mentioned once and being in a bar fight that Tim Tebow didn't stop. So there's that. And then the one I watched recently, and it was incredible. It was also tremendously wild. Remember Bishop Sycamore? Nope. They were the Don't fake. Know who that is? They were the fake high school football team that played on national television. Oh, that yeah, okay, yes, so, yes, I do that. Yeah, I didn't know. Forgot the name, but yes, absolutely. Um, I highly recommend if you've got ninety minutes to burn and you want to watch a ridiculous documentary, it's on HBO Max called BS High. Unbelievable! It just raised so many. Like I don't know. I have more questions than answers. The the ringleader of all of it. What an absolute piece of garbage human being. He was taking out PPP loans in the student, air quote, student athletes' names. They were staying in hotels and not paying the bills. He would, ma- this was one that was crazy. He would call supermarkets in the morning, mass order rotisserie chickens, never go in to pick them up, but would go in at the end of the day when they were all marked down to $2 because they had to sell them. And that's how he was feeding the team. Damn. So there's more crazy shit in there. I highly, highly recommend that you watch this documentary. FIBA. It's going on. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about FIFA and the Spanish national team. Uh, no, I'm women's... talking about FIBA. Yeah. Well, anyway. It, I, it's on at really weird times because it's uh, literally halfway across the globe. Yes. So these like 840 games. Tomorrow's game is at 440. I'm recording that one. AM? Yeah. Because I ain't waking up for that. No. But I'll watch it once it's recorded. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> just set to record. It's fine. US it, it's mostly a bunch of second stringers at best. Even like USA isn't even playing all that well, but like what they played against so far has just been like kinda nothing. Yeah. And like for his and there was this whole like debate going on about like, oh, like the NBA championship isn't like the world championship. That's FIBA. I'm like, yeah, but that's the one that people care about where people who are actually talented are playing. I would say I would also venture a guess that any of the NBA teams could be pretty much any of the FIBA teams outside of like the United States. Oh yeah, easily. Like if, if like they actually had like players playing versus just like a bunch of second stringers. Like I, the first game we were going, like I was watching the announcers are like, oh man, like everybody here in the Philippines loves Austin Reeves. I'm like, why? How is Austin Reeves possibly the most popular player here? Oh, it's the Philippines. You never know. I think it's just because he was on the Lakers, so at least like there's some like marquee recognition. Mm, true. Like, yeah, Austin Reeves is the big name. Like, okay, sure. And if Austin Reeves is the big name in your t- for your team in a tournament, it's not really a world championship tournament. Yeah, and we're, like, playing against, you know, they played against Greece, and, like, their best player is, like, Theonis. I mean, Giannis isn't playing um, because of injury, but, like, when, like, a garbage-time Bucks player is your best player, you're not that good of a team. Yeah, and again, does not make it a world championship. Yeah, but tomorrow, like they're playing Jordan, I'm like, ooh boy, Jordan! I, what offensive powers are they going to throw against USA? Oil money. <laughs> but I mean, it's going fine. It, you know, it's it's the off season, so it's fun to watch. That's really kind of what it comes down to. And it's honestly, it's it's more fun when I like there are players 
like I'm not really invested in any of these players. Like some of them I like, some of them I dislike. Well, it's only a few weeks away from NBA training camps opening up, so. I mean, other teams have like uh, I watched I was watching Canada versus France. Like those teams are pretty stacked with NBA players. So, I mean, there's still some interesting teams out there that aren't just uh the USA team, which like I said, like there're a couple of players that I like on there and a couple that I don't, but they're mostly second string to third string guys. Like it's not like the craziest team that we could have come up with. But, you know, America doesn't really care about FIBA, so. No, not not particularly. That's why I'm watching games at 8.40 in the morning. Or tomorrow, 4.40. Not waking up for that one. No, I'd say I'd be very much asleep at 4.40 tomorrow oh, yeah. morning. No, I'll be sleeping and I'll uh, be skipping the commercials. Ah, see, you get to sleep in, watch basketball, and not have to deal with commercials. Yeah, it's all positives. It's a win-win-win for you, <laughs> sir. When we play. win-win-win. Jordan. I believe it's oh, a, you know, um, it's the, I think it's a kingdom too. It's the kingdom of Jordan. I don't think it's the country of Jordan. They have a king. Oh god, was that the Greece game? Yes, it was the Greece game. So Greece game is going on. It's the fourth quarter. Greece and, Lightning. And this DJ clearly has no respect for the team for Greece because it's like fourth quarter, like little over half, like not even halfway through the quarter, and they start playing the Curb Your Enthusiasm like end credits music, which is just like supposed to be like a sad and awkward time. Like, yeah, you did a bad job. So it's just in a time it's like do 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 like it's a mean ass DJ. It is. <laughs> That's FIBA though. All right, you ready? I am ready to move on to the second to main event. Ahsoka in screaming at streaming. So you're saying the universe created a sitcom starring two Avengers? Nope. We're screaming at streaming. So let's not waste another minute. Settle in, sharpen your pencils, and check this out. Well, this is a show that doesn't give a shit if you haven't watched any of the the precursor set up. Yeah. By the way, full spoilers on this for whatever we can spoil, because I don't know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) I'll say this before you give your thoughts. It is incredibly... I feel like it would be very incredibly dense to try and crack into this. If you obviously if you had no previous Star Wars and you're just like, oh, let's see what this is about. It's still relatively dense to crack into. If you, I feel like having not seen like Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, I have no idea who these other people are, like Ezra and Sabine and uh, General Long Green Tentacle Head. Mrs. Obi Wan Kenobi. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, didn't know that. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I think that's her name. Oh, yeah. Okay. Not not like actual like that's you and McGregor's wife. Not yes. not Obi Wan Kenobi's wife in canon. No, he had the crush on some other lady. I forget no. her name. But it does a decent like a sliver enough job to like explain. Like you can tell that. Oh, there is a lot of expository dialogue. In oh, this. yes. But it's still well, fair, a for lot as, to crack into. For as much as I'm like, there's a lot of export expository dialogue. It's not necessarily bad expository dialogue. It's just like, I can kind of see, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Thanks for telling me what this is and what this is, because yeah. I don't know what's happening. I feel like if you've never seen Clone Wars or Rebels, which I have not, you can still access it if you have some, ba- like if you've watched some of, like you're aware of... Um, like Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, where you do have Ahsoka in it, so you do get a little bit of knowledge about her. So this is gonna kind of you know unpeel that onion, so to speak. 
I think this is just the worst time for the show to come out. Like fatigue is high. Like that's why you're seeing movies like Marvel is finally losing money on stuff. Like Ant-Man was a loss and like Star Wars. We haven't seen a movie since Rise of Skywalker. There's been like a number of these series and we're like, because there is just this constant stream, we are seeing fatigue at an all time high. And their plan is to release a show that requires hours of viewing. Yes. It's, Like, you got to do your fucking homework if you want to watch the show. I'm like, this couldn't have come out at a worse time. This was just incredibly poorly conceived timing-wise. I'm wondering, though. I'm wondering if you did have that institutional knowledge. Let's say you were a huge Clone Wars slash Rebels fan. Is this doing a lot of service to you? And is it... It might be enjoyable for someone who has that knowledge and has that love of this part of the franchise. My understanding is that... And this might not be universal from what I've seen that people who are aware of the show feel that it's a little slow because they already know the shit. Yeah. So that's, they're going to, it's striking that balance, right? You don't want to just dive right in both feet and alienate people that don't have the institutional knowledge and try and suck them into it. But you also have to pay service to the people who are like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan of the show, of the, the animated shows. And I love this character who initially it was like people didn't even think that like based on the the cartoon and then the movie and order 66 were like oh she's dead cuz she didn't even make it into the movie yeah going into the show i had i have kind of like a weird relationship with it like i went into it like i had no interest then it's like i had a little bit of time i was like hey, i guess i can watch this and i enjoyed it when i was doing it but then the second i turned it off like my interest immediately disappeared again i will like s- there's a new episode tonight i'm like i feel nothing about that i will say Having played, uh, there is some stuff that is pulled on that I kind of understood, like the witches of Dathomir or whatever, um, the Night Sisters. Like I knew that from playing Fallen Order, so like I had a little bit there where I could could kind of glean, like, oh yeah, these are space witches. They can like kind of manipulate the force, but also turn into zombies. It's really kind of creepy, but also cool, I guess. Balin, interesting kind of you know you get a look at gray Jedi. Yeah, I like Ray Stevenson in this. Um, he's, you know, clearly like, you know, he has some uh, conflict within him. Yeah. Um, but he he's really good in this. He looks cool as hell, too. Like, big old beard. Yes. And the lady that's with him who's definitely going to turn to uh, the light. Mm, yes. Yeah, because, you know, can't see that coming a million miles away. A million I would, parsecs away. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> I wish they would stop staring at stuff in this show. Mm. Like, there's a lot of just staring at an orb. Happens a few times. Like, we're going to just spin this thing and spin this thing and spin this thing and spin this thing. A Rubik, I called it the Rubik's Sphere. And now a light will come out. Yeah. And then there's this other thing. And then we'll take this thing and we're going to spin this. And we're going to spin. This. It doesn't mean anything to me. It's, they're just these lingering shots that mean nothing. It's, also, they're so boring. Also, the design of star maps in this universe is kind of also, foolish. What, the, what are we doing with all these star maps? There's a map leading to Luke Skywalker. Here's a map leading to Grand Admiral Thrawn. The fuck are leaving these maps behind? Why do they just go to this one thing? Like, this is like the world's worst map quest. Why don't you put it on your space GPS? Come on. Good lord. Plug that <laughs> shit into your Nava computer so you don't crash into Look, a I never really, pulsar or I some never shit. I never really bonded like we got a map to Luke Skywalker, and I don't buy this one much either. No, it's a, it's a sphere. Like, why do we have these... Like, very hidden maps to, like, certain individuals. No. And the fact that Sabine can just sit there in her little her little space needle tower from Seattle or Toronto, depends on which needle you think is better, and, like, cracked. stabbed. Oh, well, that too. But that was outside and, you know, on the doorstep. But she just is able to sit there and figure the thing out on her own. 
Oh, here's the thing, though. because She gets stabbed at the end of the episode. Yes. It's like, oh, man, that character, I don't know. Oh, no. And I wasn't planning on watching them both in a row. So I was like, all right, I guess I don't know. She might be dead. She might not be. The thumbnail for the second episode just has her standing there. I'm like, okay, guess she's fine. Did you not watch the second episode? I did, but okay. like the plan was not to watch them like concurrently. So when I went to watch the second episode, I'm like, oh, there she is. Oh, okay. Well. She's just standing there in the thumbnail. Yes. <laughs> oh, what mystery is this, Star Wars? So it'll be... I'm curious to see... It's what, eight episodes? I don't know. I like David Tennant in this. He's a sassy-ass droid, and I like I, him. That droid is... Fantastic. When the droid shits all over Sabine, like, I have not seen many Padawans with less talent than you. <laughs> He's fun. I like David Tennant in this. Right. And it's a cool droid design. It's a little different. It's a more human looking yeah, face. He's from Rebels. Yeah. Where he voiced the character as well. On the other hand, I don't like that other one, Chopper. No, he's he's got some problems. Like, that droid just flex at me? Yes, it did. The fuck are you doing? Droid shit. Well, like, sure. If, like, if you can say it's for kids or whatever, which is fine. Like, Star Wars could be for kids or for whoever, whatever the hell. But I was just like, for me personally, I was like, what? Yeah. What the hell just happened? This isn't like totally impenetrable for me, but it's pretty, like, I feel super unqualified talking about this. But we're going to keep watching it. Well, I was going to offer you a mulligan on this one. Let's give it one more episode. Okay. And see where we land next <laughs> <All> week. <right. laughs> we're kind of thin on content, Zach. <laughs> All right, fine. We can do one more and then you can quit if you want. All right. Well, no, it sounds like you want to quit. Kind of do. Oh. Well, this is uh, all the times that you wouldn't let me quit, so. <laughs> I didn't like this show. Like, when I was watching it, it was fine. But there's also, like, who's this mysterious, like, Sith Jedi with a twirly lightsaber? I'm like, I don't know. Is it Ezra? The only name we've heard so far? I don't know. It's highly likely. I, ca- I can't wait for it to be someone that I've never heard of before. I'd be like, oh, well, I would be really shocked and upset by this if I knew who this was. <laughs> yeah, I there's been a lot of that. A lot of people oh. like, look at us. I'm like, okay, I don't know who you are. This is the most impenetrable Star Wars I've come across. Well, again, there's like 300 hours of TV that you haven't watched. Yeah, I know. So that's like, okay, cool. Um, we're we're doing a Star Wars. Um, I am. If you love Rebels, I bet you were loving the show. Yeah. But, but if you're me and haven't, and oh, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. I'm trying. You have a lot of stuff back on back order. I do. I have so much stuff to watch. And so, like, so much of it, like, right now, I'm, like, at, like, weird, awkward points. I'm, like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, well, there you go. Sometimes that happens. Like, we're trying to get through, like, the last two seasons of Doctor Who. God, is that a chore? Uh, uh, You poor uh, thing having to watch TV. Shucks. I know. Damn my completionist nature. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Ahsoka. I'm not loving it, but I under... If you are a fan of Rebels, I understand if you are. It's just, for me, personally, not doing much. At least within two episodes. All right. We're done with this. We're done with it. Yuck. Until I have to watch another episode. (laughs) (laughs) The shoe is on the other foot. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. All right. Going to move on from there to my top 25 favorite movies. Let's talk about something fun. 25 fun things. Yay. All right. To whatever theme I'm going to play. You should remember because you just edited a show last week with the same theme. Yeah. There's a few in there. Okay. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret. I'm always angry. It's time for an Editor's Note podcast review. Last week, we started a list of my top 20 50 favorite movies. We did 50 through 26. The rule was one movie per franchise, which I am going to break immediately. Mm, I, bro- yes. I broke it once last week. I'm breaking it once this week. See, I think there's a loophole to this, So, but that's just me. Number 25, Star Trek First Contact. Oh. 
probably the it, no it's not probably it's the best of the next generation movies oh easily of the next gen ones yeah mm-hmm. i think wrath of khan is a better movie but i enjoy first contact more when i was also thinking about like saying like my top 25 favorite i think another way to put it because there are like we were talking about earlier like oppenheimer that's a good movie i liked it i watched it once i'll probably never gonna watch it again i think maybe a different way to phrase this is movies based on rewatchability there's a yeah that could be very that's a good way to put it I will say for me personally, because I will throw on first contact all the time. Like it's such a fun movie for me. I, oh, it's really, really just, it's a good, complete Star Trek. And there are parts of it that I don't like. Like I hate the line, like you're on some kind of Star Trek Mm. or like Picard's weird freak out. But it's not the first time he's freaked out. But I mean, it has, this is one where the budget really shines. Like, oh, this is like how you kind of always like in like your head would imagine like this is how the enterprise moves it like going up in a fight against the borg and just the scale of it and the scope and it just it looks good and getting the borg queen in there is just like such a creepy addition well i think the thing that this movie had going for it too is it had jonathan frakes as the director who understands that cast that crew the mythos he understands all of the star trek yeah and uh, he's in my, he's had some hits and misses, more hits than misses. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in, I mean, insurrection really like it put him in director's jail for a while. <laughs> it it didn't help him. No, no. But I mean, this one is just solid top to bottom. I can like in now we're entering like the phase of next generation movies where we have to find excuses for Worf to be there, and this is like the most plausible one in my eyes. Oh, one hundred percent, the most plausible. With the defiance, perhaps today is a good day to die. Oh great line great line prepare for ramming speed if you were any other man i would kill you where you stand just love first contact resistance is futile for an android (laughs) sir that's an eternity number 24 uh i believe our last hitchcock movie we did a couple last week Mm. north by northwest beware of low-flying planes and cornfields yes Uh, starring Cary grant where he gets mistaken for a secret agent that doesn't exist but then he has to take the identity of the agent anyway and there's all this like mistaken identity and there's so many great scenes like getting him drunk trying to like pump him for information obviously like the plane scene uh, which is referred to as a closed frame like where the uh, character can't leave left or right like they're just stuck in there mm. great example of that a uh, solid score i love the fight at the end on that monument of all the president's heads whatever that one's called it's mount rushmore mount rushmore yeah that's great i mean this movie hanging on that nose this movie with some of the special effects too, like the plane and the Mount Rushmore scene, kind of, you know, were groundbreaking in some fashion. Yeah, I think for as many good Hitchcock movies as there are out there, I think I like this one because it feels the most quick witted. Mm. Like Cary Grant is just like delivering stuff left and right like so fast and it like it lands so well and uh he, I think something that Hitchcock does very well with actors is making them seem very natural. And I think that kind of shines through here with Cary Grant, which I, I love. Number 23, Children of Men. No idea. Uh, this was a 2006 movie. Okay. Uh, based on a book. I've read the book. Uh, they are wildly different. I like the movie better, to be honest. It stars uh, Clive Owen. This is in the near future where, for whatever reason, uh, women across the world stop being able to give birth. So it's just like the end of society is like kind of slowly coming. And like there's a sad event at the beginning. It's like, oh, like the world's youngest person died. Like I think it was in a car accident. Oh. And then, you know, you could probably guess uh, someone gets pregnant. Well, good for them. And Clive Owen has to deliver this kid. But it's also this movie that goes out of its way to do multiple long takes. 
And there's so many long takes that you can watch where it's like, oh, like I, you know, the camera changed there because like they walked behind a pillar or something. But this is, they are some of the best long takes you've ever seen. Like they involve explosions and all these moving parts. So not only is like the story, like it's not like a fun movie, but it's so, the story is so interesting. And then when you start watching like how visually interesting it is, like this is kind of, it's one of the great movies out there. I really love it. And I don't know. I don't know how many people are talking about today, but it definitely got a lot of recognition when it came out, like I said, 2006. But like fucking fantastic. I love Children of Men. Number 22, The Shining. All work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, books being different, this uh, movie is very different from the book. Very famously, Stephen King hates this. And I can understand if like people who are big fans of the book don't like it. But it's its own thing. And it's very hypnotic. And I think that's kind of like where I, like it's a long movie, but you just almost kind of go into a trance watching it. Like mm-hmm. it has a very specific slow tone that I really enjoy. It's one of those movies also I feel like you know, the more you watch it, the more you kind of get out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not always, as with everything, like there's some silly stuff. They're like that shot of like Jack Frozen looks ridiculous. Yes, but it made a great meme. And like the ending is, I'm not going to say I fully understand it, but I think you're also not necessarily supposed to fully understand it. I think that's the that's the part of it, right? Like you have to draw, like sometimes those good psychological or like horror movies or just things, movies that make you think like you have your own interpretation for the ending. That's always kind of fun. Well, this is also one of those, this is a movie that you can talk to death. Mm. Like basically every scene you can just talk to death. But speaking of talking this movie to death, there was a documentary that came out a number of years ago. Uh, not that many that was fairly well received. couple of detractors called uh, room Two Thirty Seven, which was mostly interviewing conspiracy theorists uh about their obsessive watching of this movie and reads and takes that they had pretty well received and i will say this with no uncertain terms it's one of the stupidest fucking things i've ever seen that's not mincing words that's pretty straightforward (laughs) oh my god like i was watching it and i don't understand how it got good reviews i was like it just boggled the mind of how stupid it was they're like oh yeah because kubrick filmed the moon landing that's why danny is wearing an apollo 11 sweater as just like a nod, like, yeah, I did that. Except for the moon landing was real. Yeah, I wanted to punch everyone involved in this, like, very hard. I would pay good money to see that. <laughs> just line them up and you get one slap each. I didn't say slap. Oh, well, one one slug. <laughs> I mean, The Shine is great. There's obviously a lot of discord around it. Don't watch that fucking documentary, though, because it is dumb. Oh, my God. But I do love The Shining, um, even though it is very different from the book. It's its own thing, and I like it. Number 21, Alien with a dollar sign. Game over, man. (laughs) Bill Paxton, what a national treasure he was. I mean, everyone is great in this movie. Yes, Bill Paxton is great in this. Like, he is, he's probably the biggest ham in there, but he's a fun ham. Yes, but that's like like what he was, that was what he was good at, like, for a while. Like, that movie also, um, uh, in True Lies, playing that kind of sleazy Oh yeah, car yeah, artist yeah. guy like the, he's the car salesman, the yeah. car salesman who thinks he's, but he pisses his pants. Yep. But aliens like Alien almost made it on uh, the top fifty as well because they were like Alien is very much a horror movie. Aliens is very much um, an action movie. But man, this is one of the best action movies of all time, and it has like good suspense and there's so many good shots. Like when that alien comes out of the water, when Ripley's with Newt like behind them, that's so good. Fighting the alien queen, so many memorable lines. Get away from her, you bitch. Oh, my God. Such a great one. They mostly come out at night. Mostly. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. I love aliens. It's such 
such a good movie. Uh, there's two cuts of it. The theatrical, there's a director's cut. I like watching the director's cut mostly because I like living in this world. It, it's just, I mean, not that I would want to live in this world. This is a terrible, terrible world. This is a bad place to be. <laughs> but from my no, world, thank you. sitting on the couch. In a safe place where nothing's coming out at night. <laughs> Again. Um, mostly. Maybe a cat swats at me. But beyond that, like, yeah, yeah, man, aliens, just James Cameron killing it. God, I love the, this is just a fun list for me. Number 20, Jurassic Park. Oh, again, that movie, we and we talked about it a while ago, how yeah, the special we, we effects. we just watched that, right? Yeah, we did. I know, I just watched it. Like, did we talk about it on the show? Probably. Yeah, the one book I've read that you haven't. Yes. <laughs> um, but the special effects from that movie just still hold up over time. Like, that was really one of the first major integrations of CGI characters around real-life actors. Like, yeah, you had, like, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit with the animation there, but, like, kind of the realistic looking dinosaurs around people and it meshed so seamlessly and it, and it worked. Um, and then the practical dinosaurs. There's just so much iconography in this movie. And I, I think I've told, I don't think I brought it up when we talked Shoot about it. Shoot her! Clever girl. <laughs> when this movie first came out, I don't think I talked about it when we did it, but I think I've said it on the show. My parents went out on a movie date, which I don't know, a rarity. Like, there we go. I get my babysitter or whatnot. This is 1993, so I'm like five. Mm. And they come home. And I'm like, was there ever a moment without dinosaurs in it? And my dad's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, was there ever a single shot on screen that didn't involve a dinosaur? He's like, yeah, of course. And I went, oh, and I walked away. Well, that movie's <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. I don't want to watch this movie now. But I did watch it not that long after. And, you know, home video at some time. You know what I do remember watching probably before I even saw the movie? There was a James Earl Jones hosted special. Mm? Who's not in the movie, but no. just like, it must have been, I think it was on Fox. No, but if you want somebody that like make sure to understand that your your thing that you have narrated, <laughs> this is there's like two guys you get. You get James Earl Jones <laughs> or you get Morgan Freeman. But yeah, there was like he's in person there. Like he's walking around like the set and stuff. But I remember I think I might have seen that before I saw the movie because that must have aired in like 94, 95. Where is he going? When you got to go, you got to go. Which also like why would there be a bathroom there in the middle of the ride? Just just <laughs> I curious. Know this. For a man who's like always like aware. I appreciated it. Thank you. Uh, number 19, Blade Runner 2049. What? That's right. I like the sequel better. That's fair. It's fine. I mean, I there are some good lines in that. Like at the beginning, the scene with, with Dave Bautista's character and um, Ryan Gosling is like, I like to keep an empty stomach until the hard part of the day is over. Yeah, Bautista's really good in that. Everyone's really good in this movie. And for as much as I do love the original Blade Runner, like the second one just like... It builds on that lore, and I like getting Harrison Ford back in there, and I like the ambiguity, like still about like is he a replicant? We just like the line something like I know what I am, mm-hmm. and it has that dog that likes to drink whiskey. I'm like I'm with you, dog. What's up, dog? Whiskey <laughs> dog. <laughs> I do. I mean, this dog also likes booze. If anything spills, my God, he is on it. Well, it looks like he's been on a bender right now. <laughs> so he's just kind of like he's tits up right now. It does have an ending where I wish. There was going to be, it didn't make like any money. I wish there was going to be a sequel to it. There's going to be a sequel TV show, but it's taking place 50 years down the road. I'm like, man, like just what happens in that movie is so solid. Like I really like the stuff with um, Joy, uh, his like and- uh, Ryan Gosling's android like companion. And like, does she feel something and does she not? And the answer is she probably doesn't, but man, it's interesting. It's an interesting movie and it's beautiful to look at. For his, I love the first Blade Runner, but I think the sequel is a little bit higher. Mm, like Tears in the Rain. Number 18. This is one where I am, this is the one movie per franchise rule, and you got to go with the best one. Casino Royale. I've seen every Bond movie, and I like most of them. Yes. 
Not all of you. Looking at you, view to a kill. <laughs> wow, that's kind of some view you have there, sir. <laughs> to be fair, that movie's it's never boring. <laughs> like, it's not the worst one. I don't know what the worst one is. Probably whatever one had Madonna. Die Another Day or Tomorrow. No, Tomorrow Never Dies was the newspaper one. That's correct. Die Another Day had Madonna. Yeah. That was the last Pierce Brosnan That's probably one. the worst one. <laughs> that's yeah, very, very likely contender. But not talking about the worst. We're talking about the best. I think it's Casino Royale. For as much as Connery had 50% good Bond movies, they're not all good. Get over it. Casino Royale, I think, just has higher highs. And like... I mean, especially like that opening scene. I love that. I love that. Like that one dude just doing parkour and Daniel Craig is just running through walls because he's like, I don't yep. do that. <laughs> and just that fight, that opening fight is so good. And I like his romance with Vesper Lynn. I mean, Judy Dench is fantastic. I mean, this also like taps back into like James Bond origin, which also makes you like, is the title of James Bond like something that's just passed on from person to person? Is 007 I mean, the they, same person all the time? This version establishes that he, this is a its own thing. Yes. In Skyfall, yeah, they do that because they're like, look at your dead parents' graves. Look at them. Look at their graves. Yeah, and then it's like we pick or we we do orphans because those are easy, like the easiest. Judy Dench was great in this. I love like her opening lines, like. I make him a double O, and what does he do? He celebrates by blowing up an embassy. I wish he had a good sense to defect. <laughs> I miss the Cold War. Like, man, yeah, Casino, like for the Bond franchise as a whole, I love it. It's, it's a great franchise, one of the best. What I like about the Daniel Craig Bond movies is it is a long term story arc. It's not the individual episodic kind of ones that you had. Like, there's not a lot of connective tissue outside of like the characters in the other james bonds whether it's the connery bonds or uh, octopussy that name still is kind of you know he was a clown in that one mm. they got to dress up as a clown it's true thing that happened you or, say that you have no fucking idea no no or pierce brosnan or um uh dalton like i feel like i'm there's another what's oh, the other bond i'm missing go back to the beginning sean connery i said mm-hmm. that roger dalton Roger Dalton. Not Roger so. Dalton. No. Oh, you entirely skipped someone and combined two names. Yeah, I did. Yes. I know. I'm It's I'm okay. Drawing a blank out. But the the Bond movies with with Daniel Craig have a connective tissue. I mean, when you go to Quantum of Solace, it's the only it's the first Bond movie. It's the only Bond movie to pick up immediately after the events of the first one or the previous one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, I think so. Yes. But like that little two movie arc kind of, you know, they play off of each other, but then they, they bring that back and like Spectre and things like that. So, number 17. We still got a couple of these in there. We got a few comic book movies, but what are the best ones? I guess we'll find out with number 17 mm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, the I first remember, one. I remember the first time I watched this with you. It was like, I think it was Christmas Eve, and you were just so overjoyed to share it. You were like, Yeah, th- I, I know I described this before, but it's like watching this movie, not even like in the most impressive scene, but uh, when they do the prison escape. It created like the sense of like wonderment and awe. I'm like, oh, this reminds me of being a kid and watching Star Wars. It was like mm. that same feeling, which if you can tap into those feelings, like you're doing something right. I don't even think like the prison escape scene is like the best scene in the movie. No. But there was just something about it that, you know, watching it now, I'm, it, those feelings probably aren't going to be replicated. But like one doing it for the first time, I was just like, oh, this is special. Like this is really good. This is unique. Yeah. And for a movie going into that I had like no expectations for. And maybe that was part of it. That it was such like an like an obscure book, like a crappy seventies book, a crappy nineties book, a good mid two thousands book. But it also like the thing about it is the um 
it was so different than the other Marvel movies too. It has nothing to do with it. It's like being a comic book movie. It was just that it was it was its own. It thing. was fun sci-fi. It was good sci-fi, and yes. I liked it, and I still like it. And I mean, the whole trilogy is good, and the holiday special, like that's all fun stuff. But yeah, that first one, man, that one, that's a special movie. I like that one a lot. Mm. Number sixteen, Terminator Two. Well, there are more like act movies with action in here. I would say this is uh, my second favorite like big action movie. Hasta la vista, baby. Like a movie that's leaning into it, and. You know, I when it came out, I I was too young to like see it like initially, but like even when I got around to it in the '90s or when I was allowed to watch it, was probably a more accurate statement. I wish I didn't know that Arnold wasn't the bad guy. That is my like only you know like because we talk about like movies like where you want to be surprised where you don't have the spoiler. I wish I didn't know that going into it. Yeah. That is the only downside, but it's such a cool movie. And well, there are parts of it that are annoying, like John can be annoying. That's fair. But the effects are great. Like, Linda Hamilton is like, she gets super jacked and she's so cool in this. The T-1000. Arnold's great. And there's still an effect. Like, I watch it and, like, there's some effects in movies where I'm looking at them. I'm like, I am sh-, Like, I see what you're doing, but I'm shocked how seamless this is. Um, this is one of my favorite examples. One, Arnold uh, takes off the skin from his forearm and his hand. And that robot hand is out there. Like, you can't see that, like, it's not, it doesn't look like, oh, like, there's an extra arm outside of his arm or anything else. It looks seamless at a time where it shouldn't look seamless. Like, it's mm. it's a perfect effect where you're just, because, I, I mean, a lot of times, the way I kind of like to watch stuff is I'm going, how are they doing that? And I look at that effect, I'm like, how did they do I, that? Like, I'm not quite sure what's going on here, well, but God damn, is that Arnold seamless? Actually, Arnold is a robot, and he actually did tear his skin off oh, for the movie, yes. <laughs> tore his whole forearm Yeah, off. just to be like, watch this. But man, that is a seamless practical effect. It is. You're just looking at it like, what are we doing here? And I, um, the stuff with like uh, Miles Dyson, like trying not to blow up Cyberdyne is really cool. Like where he's just like holding that detonator. He's like, you need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And like that breath is like, <gasps> but, oh my God. And I mean, the, the effects on the T-1000 and Robert Patrick is so cool in this. And that last fight. Mm. Like the effects, oh my Lowering god! Lowering himself down into the molten metal with the thumbs up, and just it, like getting shot after they uh, freeze him with liquid nitrogen. Like this movie's awesome. Yeah, this movie looks so cool. I love Terminator too. Bit of a different direction. Number fifteen, The Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that that's a if it's on TV. If I'm scrolling on TV and it, I see that it's on, I lock into it for a little bit. So quotable. I mean, so like. Sometimes I feel like the it's not sometimes I feel like the best horror, the best like this isn't a horror movie. Well, not horror, I mean, but there like are the horrific best, parts. There are horrific parts, but the best like mostly the prison rape. Yeah, that's not not my cup of tea. But this like kind of genre of like it is like that fear of being in prison, especially like wrongfully imprisoned. Like you just like watching Andy's journey and how he makes the best of a horrible situation for him. I mean, I love him like getting the library built up. I love like that we eventually find out that he is innocent. Yeah. Uh, the ending is iconic, at, you know, and like the different posters. And um, one of my favorite lines, which is taken from the book, but it's totally transformed to this movie, is in the novella, um, Red is just a white Irish guy with red hair. Yeah. So, maybe so, because i'm irish yeah so in the movie andy dufresne's like why do they call you red it's like oh, must be because i'm irish and it's morgan freeman and it's so much funnier in that context oh, yeah. than just exactly in the novella where he's just you know a white irish guy <laughs> which i love just that translation but yeah it's in that scene on the roof where like they get to drink all the beers like man oh, so i'm like it really is an intro like 
you know, Warden Norton is like the quintessential movie villain. Like he's a perfect villain. Like he he's a villain who believes in what he's doing, but also like like the stuff with the rubber bullets. Oh man, like yes, or solitary confinement. Like this is it's a gorgeous. Give him movie. another month to think about it. Oh, yeah, or am I being too obtuse? I know this is one of those. Like, this is not like the most out there list of like my favorite things because a lot of these movies that I'm like I like this movie are the things that other people like too, and mm-hmm. this is certainly one of those ones. Like, yeah, who's who's fighting me on Shawshank? Well, you're definitely gonna fight me on this one, number fourteen, Godfather Two. No, I'm not gonna fight you on yeah. that. I like it more than the first one. I again, my argument is that like really, Godfather One and Two are two are, are one movie, and you can interlace them pretty well. I mean, the, that that cut exists where someone's interlaced. Yeah, that Spike TV used to do that. We're like, we're playing all three Godfathers in chronological order. Yeah, and they did that all the time when that was a network. Yes, they did. Oh, Spike TV. That's college memories right there. I, I think I like how um, Michael moves the family forward a lot more, and I I like the um, the flashbacks to De Niro. Oh, De Niro's fantastic. I mean, doing everything in Italian in that movie too. Yeah, like, and the second one, I think I think it just progresses. A little bit more well the first one definitely is an iconic movie there's just i think the pacing and the propulsion of this one is kind of where i come down on it uh being a preferred movie there's me. i mean there's still really good quotes in the movie like my name is vito andolini and this is for my father and like just cuts up the dawn i'm smart oh let's see i know it was you fredo you broke my heart but like the cuban scenes just all of it and like I think the first with the first Godfather, it's watching Michael's fall into that world. But here you really see how ruthless he has become and how transformed he is. And oh, yeah, there's also parts of the first one like, oh, Michael goes away for five years in a kind of boring sequence. Yes. That Italy sequence isn't that fun. Gotta tell you. Kind of drags. No, especially since he's like, I love Kay and Kay is the love of my wife. But then he goes and, you know, gets married to Apollonia and. She gets blowed the fuck up. She, yeah, not things don't work out for her. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. I maybe Godfather One may have more of like those like, like take the gun, leave the cannoli. Or no, like leave the gun, take the cannoli. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, cannoli is delicious. You just wanted the cannoli. Damn right, I want the cannoli. <laughs> Cannolis are fantastic, but they're this one is like more of the ruthless Mike. Although there is kind of that rehash scene. Kind of like the first in the first movie when he settles all the family business and then he kind of circles back and does it again in this movie, like that penultimate, like, but it's, I think it's more. Yeah, just slapping Diane Keaton as hard as he can. Yes, he did slap the shit out of Diane Keaton. But like in the first one, like when Mo Green and, and everyone else gets theirs, in this one, it's more like, you know, Frank is, you know, the whole sequence where, again, he settles his scores with, you know, with Fredo, with um, Frank. Uh, with Hyman Roth. It's a great movie. Still a great movie. We're moving on. Number 13. Um, There's a couple of recent movies in here, but this is definitely a recent-ish one. Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. I know when it was first announced and we did it on the show, I was like, I was very dismissive. Like, why do we need an animated Spider-Man movie? We got live action ones. This thing going to be nothing. Well, it turns out I deeply love it. Oh my God. You were wrong. It's such a good movie. It's so great. I think, God, what can I say that like we haven't said? Like, I mean, Miles is so much fun. The other characters are so much fun. The animation is wild and unique. The score is great. Like some of the like um, alternate spider characters definitely um, are just there kind of for flavor versus substance. But still fun. Yeah. Like, you know, like what does Penny do in this movie? A goddamn thing. That's what she does. Nothing. Well, we can't do everything. No, but it's 
it's one of the most unique movies I've ever seen, which is what makes it stand out. And, you know, the second one I enjoy, but it's not a complete movie and it doesn't quite have like the emotional punch of this one. But I like it. It's just so good. It is. Number 12. Still a recent one. Logan. That is a good movie. Just want to watch a Western, but it's Wolverine is going to stab you in the head. I just recently rewatched that. I think it might be my favorite X-Men movie. Oh, by far. It is. I, Patrick Stewart gives his best performance as Charles. Like, it's a different, gritty, visceral. Uh, just, yeah, no. I mean, when he gets stabbed in the chest, it's just like, oh, man. Yeah, and he, and he sees... It's X-20... What, not 23. Yeah, 20, it is X-20. They go, 24. X-24. Like, that heartbreak in his eyes, but then he realizes it really wasn't Logan. Like, Yeah, it, it's just a Western. It's a Western, but it's a superhero thing, but it's really not that much of a superhero yeah. thing. It's just... It's gritty and raw, and it's a shitty world. But it's you like the characters, and you want everyone to succeed. But if you've you know ever seen like someone trying to get to the promised land, you kind of know how this is gonna go. Yeah, I love this. I love the scene where they're in the jeep, and he's like, "I am fucked up." <laughs> yeah, I'm just yelling. He's yelling at Laura, then she starts screaming at him. You could like, talk this know. whole time. <laughs> Man, Logan is a good movie. Mm. Number eleven, High Fidelity. Oh, John Cusack fantastic movie i love this movie um i like the book too i probably like the book a hair more there's a little bit more in there but yeah i mean this movie stands out for me personally it's about a guy who um is running a failing specialty shop and likes to make lists of things so this movie resonates with me a little bit as it is close to home (laughs) yeah like how much of this movie do i have to blame for my life choices well, at least um, a fair amount. <laughs> at least you didn't say say anything is your favorite John Cusack movie, and you're sitting outside of people's houses with a boombox. No, but yeah, I mean, playing you, Peter Gabriel. If you haven't seen High Fidelity, uh, John Cusack uh, is running a record store. His girlfriend breaks up with him, and then he's like counting down like his five worst breakups, and there's a lot of other top five lists. Eventually, gets back together with her, and it's this whole thing. Mm. Uh, the scene in the book that I really wish was in the movie that I think the movie almost kind of misses the point of the book. Once they get back together, they end up going out uh, to to someone else's house for dinner, like just like two couples and they're talking and like, because there's even like a scene in the movie, which is in the book as well, where he's talking about like what you like and what she likes, like that shit matters. I do like dinner. But in the book, there's this scene where it comes down to where, where there's dinner and like he has this kind of epiphany of going like, oh, the shit doesn't actually matter. That's not that's not what's important. Mm. And I don't think the movie ever quite gets there. I'm like, that was kind of the point of the book. Yeah. And you you missed the mark a little. But even with that, like, this is still one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes. All right, we're in the top ten. All right, here we go. Jaws. Smile, you son of a bitch. He never gets to bitch. No. Smile, you son of a... Explosion. Yes. Shark goes Great down. explosion. Man, I love these characters, though. Like, and it's shot so interestingly. Uh, this is also, like, 1975 credited as, like, being the movie that is the first blockbuster. Kind of what created, like, the big summer movie. And it works. It's a big 4th of July movie. You get the really shitty mayor of Amityville, like with his little oh, yeah. anchor jacket. <laughs> this is a summer town. But you also, I mean, this it, it's the things, it's like it's a realistic, quasi-plausible thing. Like shark attacks are real, and people that go to the beach are afraid of shark attacks. And the score to this is fantastic. It has enough like mystery and ominous to it, but also like that building attention. Da-na. Yeah, this movie does some messed up stuff like kills that girl being kills a, like they kill a kid oh yeah and i t- like i'm not someone um who's ever really been scared by movies like a couple times things have happened but i will tell you 
this movie has the shot that like screwed me up the most when i was a kid and i saw this and what would that be one the rotting corpse floats out of the boat that's been sunk oh yeah like, yeah the big eye is bugging out yeah no thank you i was just like ah don't like that no thank you and i still watched him still like him yeah, no no i still prefer not to see this visual but i mean how fun are those characters are like those three guys and like going from all this wild stuff going from like uh the indianapolis speech and like comparing wounds and laughing and singing and then the shark attacks it's great yeah who doesn't love jaws number nine remember kids one per franchise the empire strikes back i would say of all of the star wars movies that one in a lot of ways feels the least star warsy when you think about it it feels like a general like a really good sci-fi drama with characters that you've kind of grown to know and love and it ends on such a downer yeah but it's like the perfect <laughs> you know and irvin Kirshner talked about this like when he was interviewed about it. it's like you know it's the middle part of a symphony and it's you know everything has to go wrong for everything to go right at the end i mean the action is better the visuals are better like it's just i mean you get the like even like the stuff like the carbonite is really cool seeing cloud city like that introduction to yoda like what i was talking about like guardians Mm -hmm. like getting to see that thing for the first time like getting to experience yoda for the first time was like so much fun oh just and you you can't recapture it like once you know who he is like it's just there but man when you watch it as a kid it's just this goofy little guy oh yeah and then it gets like super serious i love it so much and like the fights are better and it's a movie where the bad guys win at the end of the movie the good guys have lost han keeps getting tortured yeah, Han gets tortured, he gets frozen in carbonite, Luke loses his hand. I also love that effect. We're just talking about robot hands a lot. Today. Oh, when the, the inside of the hand, the arms. The, yeah, when they're the poking ten, at yeah. the very end and it, like his hand's just... Like, but you see the little actuators move too. Yeah, it's, that, that's a great effect too. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I mean, I, I love those original three movies, but Empire is definitely the standout. Mm-hmm. Number eight. Boy, this was um, lightning in a bottle that has not been recaptured, despite many attempts. Ghostbusters. Oh, the original 1984 Ghostbusters. Yeah. Really, just solid movie. It's such a weird and simple concept, but it just works. They're just exterminators. Yeah. That's a, it. That's all they are. Yeah, it's a fun premise. But they have to fight against a god who has to be brought forth by two demons who are have to be dogs that need to inhabit humans to create a giant lightning storm and there's a giant marshmallow it just oh walter peck yes sir this man has no dick yeah super quotable movie oh i mean cats and dogs living together mass hysteria i have seen shit that will turn turn you you white white. (laughs) it's such a good i mean just i've been in the private sector they expect results i have a collection of spores molds yeah um the scene with the cards when he's shocking the guy oh you have a gift <laughs> man yeah and n- none of the sequels like there's some good parts and all the stuff that follows up but it never gets this good yeah like i can't think of a part of this movie that isn't good like there's no part where it's like oh this kind of eh. what's fun like if this if those other movies existed like two, the 2016 one afterlife yes not one of those movies ever would have gotten off the ground if it wasn't for this one like without this movie like it's kind of a nothing franchise oh 100 percent. and i mean because it can stand on its own and it has that there's just a there's just a certain punch about that movie that's just really fun and it just it's fun it's quotable it's easily watchable you got mixed just right all right number seven fellowship of the ring interesting choice from that franchise 
this is a franchise where I think it's very funny is I think the order they were released is also the order of quality. I'm including the Hobbit movies in here too. Okay. I was going to say it's literally one, two, three, four, five, six quality. One, two, three, four, five, six. What I like about fellowship of the ring is it's so great at world building without beating you over the head with like all of the world building. All of the exposition is done in a way that is fresh or at least it felt fresh, and it drives the story forward. It wasn't like, well, we're going to stand here and just say these things. There was, it was, it was a good combination of show and tell when it came to the uh, the exposition in that movie. What I like about this one, I think, kind of puts like over the top for me is I like this cast. I like that this is an ensemble cast, and I like this is the ensemble cast together. Like oftentimes when you get um, big casts in movies, in order to give everyone their moment to shine everyone will get separated to like do like their little side quests, which is true of future movies in this series as well. But I like the books. Yeah. But I like it when you just have a good ensemble of characters and they're all together just doing stuff. Mm -hmm. So you get to have different interactions. You get different people playing off each other in different ways. There's just something about that, that that's always something I'm really, I gravitate towards. And I always kind of hate when I see like, movies with big casts where everyone gets separated like okay great well some people would argue that two towers is the best film in the series i mean they can i don't care it's ain't their list no that's true but, and remember well i mean return of the king won 11 oscars but that was a body of work yeah i mean i return of the king is a great movie but i definitely think it's the weakest of the three well i mean the the one thing for return of the king is it has all of those loose ends to tie up over the first two films yeah, no, they're all good movies. Yes. But I, I just like this one, and you get introduced to that world, and that score is so good. And mm. it's, it's, Howard this, Shore. This is also the one compared to the other two movies where it's just a more vibrant world. Like, the world mm-hmm. isn't that shitty yet. Yeah. Like, and, they end up going, to, like, in subsequent movies, it's just like, hey, can we go to, like, just shittier and darker places again and again and again? This one, like, the world, like, looks fun. Yes. And you understand, like, why they want to save this world. Like, because it's vibrant, because it's colorful, because there are all these different things in it. Like, you get to experience it. This is what lays that groundwork. Yeah, I think this is the best one. Number six. Hey, let's get my, um, I don't know, <laughs> uh, conditional comments out of the way. All right. I am aware that this is a now com- um, complicated director to talk about. This will come up two more times. Mm. It will come up one more time. I do not support their behavior, and I also have not revisited these movies in a number of years due to accusations. So take it with that, but go with the feeling at the time, and also I think it would be disingenuous not to include it, um, because it does come down to a preference thing. Like I said, I literally haven't seen this stuff in years because of this, but whatever. We're just going to dive into it. There we go. Number six. Hey, could you guess what it is? I'm going to guess it's Serenity. Uh, No, we're not there yet. Oh. You're so close, though. The Avengers. The Avengers. The first one. Yeah. This is still my favorite one because for as much as like you could say like Endgame is like this big culmination, Mm -hmm. this this one was still like a culmination. This was the one that proved something that shouldn't work. Like you could get that whole... Like characters that shouldn't be interacting on screen that have like nothing to do with each other and it worked and it was funny and it was really well shot. I really like... um, God, who did... Who's the DP on that? It looked, it's a beautifully shot movie. Like I love, I love the lighting on that movie. It looks so good. The character interactions are good. I like the dialogue. It just, it clicks and it shouldn't have. And that like that movie by itself was like a victory lap, but it was also like, felt like that for me. I'm like, and I know I've said this before the show. It's like, Oh, I was right. Yeah. Like I've been right since I was a kid. And, but it, there's so, so many great scenes in that movie. 
in so many shots and you know it's been out for over a decade now and i know that like people have seen like those shots a million times like you know they're they're, there they are in a circle like yeah the whole getting angry and like but man i don't know that movie for as much as like endgame might have like higher highs this was just this is the one that to me felt like a magic trick like this shouldn't work and it does yeah the the way the ensemble comes together all the characters the big you know the big glory shot when they're all there in that circle fight like just i know that like like i I get the like whedon's a problematic guy and like i haven't watched this in a good long while at this point but the feeling that it gave me watching it we're gonna go back i've mentioned this many times like it was the first time watching it where you're just like oh okay like you can do it this this is for me yeah (laughs) exactly this, this movie is here for me and i yeah i still think it's probably the the best marvel movie but take that as you will Mm. number five raiders of the lost ark oh this is one of my one of my top five favorite movies just oh i mean for me this is honestly like what do i say do i say raiders or last crusade but when i gotta think like what is an indiana jones movie it's raiders oh 100 percent. yeah you you can't not love it it's just it's the pinnacle of like action adventure and even what i was saying earlier about like like those scenes in the soka where they're just staring at orbs this like and i don't know what they're doing this one i understand like okay he has a bag of sand he's trying to weigh it out to make it weigh the same so like traps don't get set off like i understand that versus looking at like an orb of like indiscriminate lines that mean nothing to me Mm -hmm. like so it does so much with like the show don't tell and that opener is so good and like i mean there's how many alfred molina how many lines of dialogue are there really in that first 10 minutes i hate snakes jacques (laughs) that's so good throw me the whip yeah throw me the idol oh man yeah Ra- i mean what can you not say but like raiders like if you throw that on like you're just gonna have a good time i just i love like even like the scene and everyone knows the the whole story about the sword when he shoots yeah, yeah, the yeah. sword man like just that alone like that was such a different and fresh take on like the hero like the hero's not like, he's supposed to fight his way to glory he's like screw this i'm gonna shoot the guy yeah it's also like what a I mean, terrible that like he was basically shitting his pants constantly, but like, oh, yeah. it worked out so great for the movie. It was such an iconic scene that wouldn't have happened no. otherwise. And he's punching up Nazis. Who doesn't love a movie where Nazis get punched? Bad dates. It's a good line. Man, yeah. Great. They're digging in the wrong place. And even like the size of the staff, or I love like the Nazi with the coat hanger, or his hand getting burned on half of the oh, emblem. Yeah. With the ray, like it had raised markings on it. It's just. Yeah, Raiders. Yeah. No, r- number Raiders. five for me. You can't go yes. wrong there. Uh, number four. This, this is definitely the most, um, not the most recent movie, but like if we're talking like recent-ish, I can't help it. The best action movie of all time, Mad Max: Fury Road. That is a fun, fun movie. I can't. What's so funny is when this movie was coming out, there was a lot of hype around it. Like people were like, super psyched about the trailers, and I watched them, and the marketing did nothing for me on this. I was like, whatever. This just looks like another like generic like fast and the furious piece of crap that i'm not going to be interested in i had no interest yeah and then i saw it at a drive and i was like this is the greatest experience of my life and my wife is over there she's like i hate this yeah <laughs> again there was another movie i think it was another christmas eve movie like we're gonna watch this because for the longest time we would get together and watch movies on christmas eve and smoke cigars and this was another christmas eve movie i believe yeah there's a just be- like the movie is shot beautifully it's epic there's all this cool stuff but, like, there's also, you can really dive into different themes in this movie. Like, this is, like, flat out, like, this is a feminist movie. 
but it's hidden behind this visage of just like hyper masculinity. Mm. And you can really dive into so much of what, like you could just say like, Oh, it's a movie where they drive one way and turn around. Like, but there's so much more to it. If you want to dive into it, like the guitar guy with the fire, <laughs> he's just cool. Yes. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think there's a lot to dive into there. That guy just rocks. He's badass. Uh, but so much of this was done practically and it shows and, watching that kind of action you're just like how did you do this uh and there was a great book that came out a year or two ago called um blood sweat and chrome and i'm like how did you do this and you read that book you're like oh that's incredibly dangerous <laughs> like with people, blood sweat and chrome like, oh my god this is the craziest i mean probably not the craziest production of all time but boy was it wild and it's done by george miller now like he's so like old and he's so polite and little he's just like let's do the craziest shit you've ever seen <laughs> let's get it and now there's a few prequel coming out which i can't wait to see like i there's been nothing about that but they're, they've wrapped it so you know we'll see it when we see it i guess but boy I, i'm looking forward to that because i mean i like the mad max series like one through three they all have you know parts that are good parts mm. parts that don't work literally all of them but that fourth one man i haven't seen anything like that movie before or since it is wild it's a it's a different kind of animal man but it's a good movie number three <laughs> uh going down from just like high octane action a little bit slower yeah Rocky. Oh, just talk about the classic example of somebody betting on themselves. The character or Stallone. Both. <laughs> Mostly Stallone, but yeah, I, this is not like, it. In, it's not a fast-paced movie. It's not, it focuses more on like the characters and the heart of it. And I love the performances from everyone and they're not all likable. In fact, none of them are likable, but you still love them. Like they're full, complete characters. Yeah. And like Rocky, like he breaks thumbs for a mobster adrian is like so demure to like the point of like abuse mm. polly sucks but yeah he still loves his sister mickey's this old beaten down piece of shit but like he still cares about rocky and apollo has this massive ego on him but he still charismatic as all hell oh yeah like all just like it just it works it's like one of those there there are times when the right movie comes out at the right time and rocky was one of those and it had that wonderful ending where the hero the hero lost but he won yeah it's it's a very unique movie and like this has been done to death afterwards i mean the karate kid is basically a remake of rocky mm. same director john avelson but and so many of the rocky sequels and even you know the creeds are all like and not just them so many other things are just playing off of this movie but it's it works and it's special and it's also fun when you get um something that is so tied into a location oh yeah like this is a philadelphia movie it's a philadelphia movie and it's it made iconic already iconic landmarks and to watch the like for the longest time like in philadelphia Whoa, for the longest time yes correct thank you bring it back do 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 you couldn't like philadelphia nobody was gonna there was gonna be no building taller than the statue of ben franklin and then to watch the skyline change over time and just i don't know also like it's a great snapshot of what was it like in america in the 70s in cities like philadelphia and rocky is still like a pretty emotional character like you know Mm. like adrian spooning him and he's just talking about like this opportunity or like screaming at mickey yeah about like giving up on like it's he's still a pretty emotional fight we'll fight the big fight and also something brought up so early in that movie, Mickey just slaps him like, you can't see out of your left eye. Never brought up again. <laughs> Never. Never brought up again. Not a problem. Don't worry. don't worry. He gets surgery in the next one to fix it. Well, at least he recovers from that brain damage mm. in Rocky Five. Yeah, that, that took a while, but it happened. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't 
get much better than Rocky. Uh, which I guess will bring us to number two. Uh, same disclaimers as before, blah, blah, blah. I haven't watched this movie in years. But mm-hmm. again, we are going off of experience and enjoyment and fun for... I will revisit it again in the future, but it's just... Honestly, I haven't reconciled my feelings uh, with the Joss Whedon stuff. Yeah. like He's an asshole, definitely, but he's not like Harvey Weinstein bad. No. And I was literally just watching a Miramax film today, so... I don't know, I think it comes down to authorship and how much they're involved. Like, I don't really believe in auteur theory, but there's also a part of me that kind of does. Hmm, that's fair. But yeah, number two is Serenity. I mean, I remember when I watched that movie for the first time, uh, it was like, hey, we're going to watch this awesome movie. And it was, again, not understanding. Like, I felt like... <laughs> I you... haven't watched it a whole TV, or a very short TV series. Yes, into but it. like you had to, like... Under, like you had to explain certain things. The well, you had to watch Firefly to understand what's going on in Serenity. Yeah, and they killed Pirate Steve. <laughs> yes, it just going off of Firefly, which I loved, and then going into the movie, I saw this in theaters up more than I've seen any other movie in theaters. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, like there would um, be screenings all across the country, and those have kind of died down. They they're not as common as they were, but I would go to a, like a bunch of those. So even after it was like done for years, like I was still going out and seeing it. And it's just it's a fun, gritty kind of sci-fi world. But I really connected with the characters, and I really like the writing. And this this is another one. I love the way this movie is shot. Like the lighting on it is phenomenal. But yeah, and I mean, I remember when this came out uh, on DVD, which was only two months after it was in theaters. I didn't have school that afternoon, but I had to go to college later. I, I took um, college classes my last year of okay, high school. Yeah, so I I had a portable DVD player. I remember I went, I drove to Auburn, bought it from Walmart, and just sat in my car and watched it like two times in a row on this portable DVD player, like in this front seat Jeez. of my car. <laughs> That's awesome. Burned through DVDs, not through like misuse, but just because I literally watched them so much. And like, I was like, I was buying, liter- there wasn't that much merch at the time. So I literally bought everything. Like, I had like every t shirt, I had every book. I was like, sure, like watching on a widescreen DVD, but I guess I'll buy the full screen one just so I have both. Yeah. Of oh, course. 10 year anniversary, gotta have it. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was a couple of those. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really just, I connected with that movie and I loved it. And, you know, now there's uh, some complications there that I haven't fully reconciled, but. Mm-hmm. Hey. All right, let's get to number one. I know what it is. I could guess. <laughs> Can you? Been, yes, because you haven't gotten, you haven't said it yet. <laughs> what could it possibly be? King Kong. It is King Kong. You've 19- also said a hundred times it's your favorite movie of I, all time. So. I love King Kong. Yeah, 1933's King Kong. You just love that monkey. I do love that monkey? That funky monkey. That brass monkey. Maybe he shouldn't climb that tower. Well, it was beauty that killed the beast, not yeah. the fall. No, it was instinct. He goes, "I'm going to climb to the tallest thing. No one could get me up here." The fuck is a plane? <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you, sir? <laughs> this is another movie we talked to death on here, but like the what it's done, the technology, what that did for film. I think this movie is this movie did move film forward more than anything else with the techniques it's created, with the score that it did. Some of the acting is uh, kind of wooden, but you know, <laughs> the dinosaur, the whole Man, like I love that dinosaur fight so yes. much. That looks so good, and just doing that frame by frame, and it there's something like fun about the stop motion where a kong's fur it's rabbit's fur and just like you can see like the thumbprints in there where they're moving it, it man i do imagine in the 30s you go to the movie theater and see a movie like that how much it, it must have like just been a mind-blowing unbelievable life experience 
Well, even part of that too, like uh, the reason that it's the Empire State Building is because this was during the Depression and this was meant to be like an uplifting thing. Like, look at what we built. Like, look at what we did. Like, this is a thing, like while we're at our lowest, we still have these high highs. And there's damn monkeys on top of the thing. (laughs) But I mean, you can look into it, but the technology that was created for this movie is wild. And, you know, there's some silly bits, like when Kong has like villagers in his mouth, it looks a little like funky. But I mean, he's a giant monkey eating people. It's not going to look normal. Yeah. This is one I I love throwing it on. And I've, you know, I've seen like every version on film. I've read the books. I saw the Broadway show, or I guess it wasn't a Broadway show originally. I think it started in Australia. I've seen the theatrical production. Like I've seen this thing to death. I, I just love this goddamn movie. There you go. But you don't have a you do not have a King Kong tattoo. Sorry. Just saying. I'll get to work on that. Yes. All right, that is it. That's it. For All this right. long cut. <laughs> Rather extended show. All right. Uh we're gonna move on from there to letters to the editors. And this week, Zach gets scolded by his mother. I do. I love it. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. Here's another one of your letters to the editors. If you want to ask us your own questions, you can send them into editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. This week, the question comes from uh, my mother. Okay. Who just says, if Wallace and Gromit didn't make the list, I want to know why your mom. Well, because those were shorts produced for television. All right, end of the question. Well, there you go. Well, they have <laughs> the curse of the were-rabbit. I, I was going to... Yeah, so. Yes, there was a theatrical movie, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, uh, that isn't as good as the shorts, and also there was a fourth short that wasn't very good at all. I watched it once and said, yuck, and haven't seen it since, like, 2011. I think what I like most about the email is she signed it, your mom. Yeah. Um, it's very hard to recover when someone's like, yeah, your mom, but this is, like, literally your mom. It's just so uh, there's a sweet piece of irony in it. So I, I liked the first one as a kid. I was shown that, and then um, my dad was going to rent me the second one. Uh, from home vision video oh wow that's classic and he goes there he goes um like hey do you guys have the wrong trousers like it's like this teenage kid is like looking at my dad he's like we don't sell those kind of movies here sir i thought he was trying to get gay porn huh (laughs) but it's like no it's a children's movie that's what they want you to believe (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then he came home and told me and i was like eight i'm like what's gay porn what's this pornography you speak of and then it's been downhill ever since (laughs) and your forearms look like popeye because of it (laughs) but i just love that we don't rent those movie, those kind of movies well, it's, here. It's home vision video, not, you know, just the home video. <laughs> the wrong trousers. I'm like, maybe I see where that kid was coming from. Maybe if he prefaced it with Wallace and Gromit, the, that might not even help either, probably at that point. No, probably not. <laughs> These two guys with the wrong trousers. <laughs> I just picked out the wrong pair of pants from the gap. That's all. Shit happens. All no, right. it was a penguin disguised as a chicken. With robot pants. Totally different than what that <laughs> young man who was working that retail job thought. <laughs> Have you seen this chicken? That's a that's a fun short, man. That is, yeah. it, it is good, but uh, it's not a movie. So no, there it, does, you go. it does not make the list. So it doesn't make the list. All right. There's a reasoning line. That it? Mother. Oh, wow. Okay. There it is. Well, if you enjoyed the show, go to patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. A dollar a month gets you the show the day we record it. Plus, you get access to things behind the paywall, including Pods of the Dark Tower. Three episodes of that out. There's a fourth one forthcoming. It will be. Yes. Not after this. My lord, I'm losing my voice after this one. Yeah, you've you've been you've been cranking on it here. Good job. So there you go. Patreon.com slash editors no comics. You can also interact with the show. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Email us editorsnocomics at gmail.com. And you can also find Zach on the social medias. Just look up editors no comics. 
In, on X. Mm. Yeah, you're you're there too. Yes, at Junior Rich. He'll be there tweeting about FIBA. Nope, not tweeting about FIBA. Tweeting about Bailey Zappi tonight. You ready for uh, that 440 game tomorrow morning? Nope, I'm ready to go make some dinner. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll be back next week. Something. Don't know what, but we'll be there. I've been working on my list. Have you? Yes, I have, actually. Yeah, interesting. We'll be back.